0: Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone. Thanks for listening to the show today. We are a week away from the first team reporting to training camp, which is actually the Jets, and they just found out that they got picked for hard knocks today, kind of against their will. So that should be a fun one to watch, especially since the Jets are a team with a ton of questions that need to be answered over the summer here. I mean, obviously, Aaron Rodgers solves a major problem that they had last season at quarterback, you have Garrett Wilson, you have Brees Hall just budding superstars at their positions as long as Brees Hall's healthy, of course. But who's going to step up in the early going in the first few weeks in that backfield to kind of lighten the load for Hall as he's working his way back from that torn ACL? You have rookie Israel Benikanda. He got some buzz in OTAs. Is he going to be able to carry that over when the pads actually go on? Cause he's more that he's that speedster. And we know those fast running backs, they look good when you're in OTAs and then you get to training camp, you get the pads on, maybe not. I think he's going to be okay. I like him. He profiled well, but just got to have that little caveat in there. Or maybe we'll see Michael Carter or Zonovan Knight. They handled it last year. Maybe they step up and handle that number two role again this year. My money's on Izzy there though. I love his athletic profile. I know he's still a day three rookie so nothing guaranteed. He's got a long way to go but somebody that I liked before the draft and then the landing spot kind of soured me a little bit on him but now I'm excited that he could get an opportunity at least early in the season if Brees Hall's is not 100%. You look at the receivers for the Jets. I mean who's going to be their number two? Who's going to be their number three on that depth chart behind Wilson? You have Alan Lazard. I think he's the favorite but Corey Davis is still lurking. He hasn't been released yet. There was a lot of talk that that could happen throughout the offseason. It hasn't happened yet. They also brought in Meikle Hardman and Randall Cobb. I'm not sure that those guys are ever going to be weekly fantasy options. I think Wilson is really the only one in that receiving room that you could probably look to as a guy that you're going to want to start week in and week out. Lazard, somebody who got a great opportunity in green Bay. And even when he was the number one in green Bay, he didn't put up huge stats. So I don't know that we're going to look to him in this offense as the number two, as being a guy that you really want to start on your fantasy team, but we'll see how that pecking order sorts itself out here over the next few weeks. And then at tight end, I mentioned Jeremy Ruckert as a super deep sleeper on Friday's show. He's trying to earn snaps by beating out either Tyler Conklin or CJ Uzoma. I think Conklin is locked in as the starter, but it's definitely possible that Ruckert could overtake Uzoma this year. And Uzoma got a little bit banged up in OTAs. We'll see if he's healthy for training camp. And again, again, not really fantasy relevant, just things that we're going to be watching in camp to kind of better understand this Jets offense. And we're going to get to see quite a bit of them since they're going to be on hard knocks. Now today, I want to go over some of the other training camp position battles that we're going to see around the league, the ones that are going to have a major impact on the fantasy landscape. And I want to try to give you an early idea of how I see them unfolding over the next month or so here. And I have one for quarterback I have four for receiver, four for running back, and one for tight end, just to give you a little mini preview there. So let's start with quarterback. I could talk about the Buccaneers quarterback battle. I don't really want to. I know, you know, not a lot of people want to discuss Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. I think this is Mayfield's job to lose and I actually project that I think this offense is going to be okay or maybe just better than people are expecting. Sure, there's going to be a drop off in efficiency. It's going to be a bit of a drop off in volume too when you go from Tom Brady to what I think is going to be Baker Mayfield, but they're still going to throw the ball a lot and with the weapons that they have Godwin, Evans, they're going to still be solid fantasy starters, just maybe not top 15 guys like they've been in the past. So really, I think the quarterback battle for the 49ers is the one that everyone's watching. And honestly, I think this one is almost sorted out too. All signs are pointing to Brock Purdy being the guy starting in number one, that he's going to be ready and healthy. And the team has said that if he is 100%, he's going to be out there. The beat writers seem like they're on board with that too. So there's a small chance that Trey Lance could just ball out in the summer and could retake this job. But that does not seem like it is going to happen now. So I want to see how Purdy's throwing. I want to see, is the arm good to go? Will he avoid setbacks over the summer? Since he seems to be on a pretty aggressive recovery timeline, they want him out there for the start of the season. But if the team decides that they want to play it safe and maybe rest him for a game or two or a little bit in the first month, will it be Lance? Or will it be Sam Darnold handling the relief starts? And I said this on the pod about a month ago. I'm leaning towards Darnold winning that number two job. And Lance, in my mind, I think Lance is going to be dealt before the season starts. Maybe to a team that suffers a quarterback injury in training camp. Or maybe more likely to a team that just wants a, a developmental guy that they can get into their system, you know, like the Vikings or the Titans, one of those teams that is probably going to be too good in order to get one of the top prospects next year. So maybe they get out and get a guy on the cheap like Lance and try to rehabilitate his value a little bit and potentially end up with a long-term starter. And the reason really that I think Darnold is going to be the one that's going to get the number two job is there's been a, a weird amount of praise for Darnold from beat writers and people Around the team, and I don't think that's coming out of thin air. They're hearing that from someone in the organization. So Darnold's a deep stash in two QB leagues. Lance, he's a dynasty hold with, in my mind, pretty limited redraft value. And Purdy, he is a really nice value. I mean, QB twenty four off the board at the moment. He's basically free. This is a guy who posted top 12 fantasy quarterback numbers from week 13 on last year. The only thing holding back his value has been this offseason surgery, which it looks like he's going to be recovered from before week one, or at least early in the season, early enough that he'll still have quite a bit of fantasy value the rest of the way. And with all those weapons in San Francisco, Purdy's an excellent quarterback too to have on your roster. Let's go on to the receiver position battles, the ones that I'm excited for. And there's a bunch the first one has to be the Chiefs. We saw them switch to a more balanced passing attack after they lost Tyreek Hill. You still had Kelsey dominating targets, but among the receivers, you were getting a lot of rotation. Nobody really emerging as a number one wideout. It's probably going to be more of the same this year, but at least we have some contenders now who could potentially step into a bigger role, especially now that Juju Smith-Schuster is gone. So you have Kadarius Toney. He's the one that they traded for last year. They really tried to incorporate him on the fly, and that might explain why he only had one game where he played more than 35% of the snaps for them. He had no games where he played more than 50% of the snaps, so he was a part-time player. Now, they've suggested that he could be a number one in this offense, and we know he has the physical ability to become that kind of player, but that's definitely not how they were using him last season, and if that's the plan, they're going to have to hope that he can overcome some of the constant injuries that he's dealt with. And some of the immature behavior that's kind of held him back so far, which is why I'm investing more in last year's second round pick, Sky Moore, who's been getting a lot of buzz this offseason. Andy Reid said that he's taken a big jump. You have Nate Taylor of The Athletic predicting that Moore is going to be out there in three receiver sets with Tony and with Marcus Valdez-Scantling. So Juju left behind 101 targets last season. Maybe we see Moore scoop up a lot of that work. He's got a similar skill set. He can be that kind of guy. Another player that I'm taking a flyer on in this receiver room is the rookie, Rasheed Rice. And I'll be honest, I didn't love his profile coming out, but this is purely buying into an unknown asset who's attached to Patrick Mahomes. And if the Chiefs like him that much, Andy Reid, that organization, likes him that much, and apparently Patrick Mahomes likes him that much, then guess what? I'm willing to take a chance on him as well. And with a receiver room that's just wide open... Rice could be a guy that just rises up the depth chart pretty quickly if he shows up well in camp. They also have some deep dynasty names like Justin Ross and Richie James, but those guys, they need to be considered as just pure long shots to make a real fantasy impact. Ross, he's a very intriguing stash, but it's unclear if he's going to be able to overcome the injuries that he's dealt with and whether he's going to be able to actually flourish in the pros. It's unfortunate. We are rooting for him, but those injuries from college, it's carried over. He hasn't really been able to get out there for a long stretch. Let's hope he gets that chance this season. Next on my list, the Carolina Panthers. And this one boils down to this year's early second round pick, Jonathan Mingo, DJ Chark, who he's trying to overcome injuries and get back on track. You have veteran Adam Thielen, who's probably on his last legs. Let's be honest. I mean, they are saying the right things that they got him for a reason and they want to pair him with their rookie quarterback. But still, Adam Thielen, I don't think there's that much left there. Terrace Marshall, he flashed last year, but he's entering his third NFL campaign. Doesn't have a lot to show for it so far. So that doesn't mean he can't do it, but the odds of a guy breaking out after a few years when he hasn't done very much the odds start to go down and LaVisca cheno who frank reich he compared him to debo samuel and LaVisca cheno he flopped in his first year in carolina which was last year he had some moments with the jags though before that couple 600 yard seasons i'm willing to take a chance on any of these guys and it's in the order that i just laid them out in and part of that is just because i believe in bryce young he was the first overall pick He's going to have a meaningful rookie season, and this Panthers team is going to overachieve. I loved him as a prospect. I love everything that I'm hearing out of the organization about him and what I'm seeing, some of the videos that have come out in practice, and he's probably going to spread the ball around, so I'm not sure that anybody is going to really break the slate for fantasy in this receiving core, but Mingo has my attention. He's a big body, six foot two, 226 pounds. He can make plays downfield. He's pretty good after the catch. He's a threat in the red zone. He has number one receiver traits. Now we have to see if he can grow into that role and how fast he can make that happen, if he can make it happen. Shark, he's a field stretcher. Thielen's a volume guy. They'll have their moments, but both of them have limitations. Marshall, he's an intriguing late round flyer, and he's going late enough that I am willing to take a shot on him in redraft. And then Cheneau is more of a dynasty stash he's not going to be the next Debo. He'll get a couple touches a game where they kind of use him that way. They move him around the formation, they get him in the backfield, taking some handoffs, but he's an extreme long shot to earn enough volume to be fantasy relevant this season. The Broncos receivers, they are a nightmare to sort through. So let's go to them next. And I should say that as much as I'm giving you my educated guess on how these situations are going to play out, I can't wait for training camp to begin so that we can actually get some, some real reports and some video to go off of, and really to know for sure what these depth charts are going to look like. And the Broncos are a perfect example of that. Jerry Judy had a pretty quiet 972 yard, six touchdown campaign last season, and he's got to be considered the favorite to lead this receiving core. Again, Judy has elite route running skills, could be a top 15 fantasy wideout If everything comes together for him. I question whether that's going to happen with the version of Russell Wilson that we saw last year, but that's where Sean Payton comes in and hopefully fixes some of what ails this offense in 2023. And I like Judy as a fantasy pick. I just don't find myself drafting him very often. There's other guys in that range that I tend to be more drawn to, but that's not a knock on Judy. The ceiling is definitely there for him now behind Judy. Cortland Sutton might actually be underrated at this point. I think injuries have set him back a little bit, but there's still potential there. Tim Patrick, one of my guys, a frequent guest in my waiver wire articles during the season. If you follow me, you know that. And then the rookie Marvin Mims, who was the first pick of the Sean Payton era in Denver. It was the end of the second round. They didn't have a first round pick, but he's a guy that has a lot of potential too. And we've basically seen reports hyping all four of them. Tim Patrick is the best receiver the Broncos have. Marvin Mims is going to start sooner rather than later. It's a tough one to decipher. So I'm taking flyers on all three of the guys, Judy too, but flyers on the other guys late in drafts. And I'm going with Sutton around the 10th or 11th. Mims is a late round guy. And then Patrick... Just deep leagues for him, but definitely a name to keep on your watch list. You also have to account for the tight ends being involved there. And the fact that Peyton has really said that the Broncos are going to be more run heavy this season, try to take some pressure off of Russ. So Judy, I like the rest are going to be sorted out in camp. And by the end of the season, Marvin Mims has a really good shot to be the number two wide out in this offense. So he could even be a guy that people draft. And then they drop a month into the season when he's not doing much, but halfway through the year, he starts to come on and he makes an impact for fantasy down the stretch. So keep him in mind for that reason. And then there's the Giants wideouts too. And this one's even worse. I mean, we could spend the rest of the show talking about the Giants wideouts, Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, Isaiah Hodgins, Jalen Hyatt, Wando Robinson, Sterling Shepard. There's more. I mean, they have Jamison Crowder there and Colin Johnson, but let's focus on the top six. I don't have a great feel here. I'm not sure if anybody does. I mean, Slayton was really solid last season once he was healthy. Hodgins had some solid moments in the second half of the year. Uh, Campbell, he's been the star of OTAs apparently, and it sounds like he's soaking up a ton of volume from the slot, so that's intriguing, but... As you know, I'm a sucker for Paris Campbell blurbs in June and July. Still, I mean, Sterling Shepard working his way back from an ACL tear last year, an Achilles tear the year before, Wandel Robinson trying to come back from an ACL tear of his own, and he's a candidate to start the year on the pup list, so that boosts Campbell's outlook as well. And then there's the rookie Hyatt who has a long way to go before he's going to earn a starting job in this offense, but we'll see what kind of noise he can make in the preseason. I think he's more of a long-term play, better dynasty option, not really a redraft pick, but keep him on your watch list. Another guy that maybe as the year goes along, second half of the season, we see him emerge. So the good news with all these guys is, You can get all the Giants wideouts super late in drafts, and that lowers the risk to basically zero, right? Every Giants receiver going off the board outside of the top 150. So that means, you know, 13, 14, 15th round, you can get these guys. That's the very end of your draft. So late round dart throws on all of them. And at that price, I want to get some Campbell. I want to get some Slayton for sure. Maybe a little bit of Hodgins in deeper leagues and that's that's really it i'm not really diving into the rest of them for redraft now that's it for quarterbacks and receivers i'm gonna go over a couple of the running back battles quick because i talked about a bunch of crowded backfields on one of last week's shows two of them make the cut for this episode the first one's the bears and we know the scenario in chicago khalil herbert was in line to take over for david montgomery then the team signed Deonta foreman they drafted roshan johnson in the fourth round so not huge investments by the team, but it tells me that they're looking for something more than Herbert. And it sounds like they're looking for a committee. That's really what's come out of Chicago, which can be frustrating for fantasy, I know. But this is another spot where you could take your chances on these guys in fantasy because they're all going in the 10th round or later. So at that point, you'd really be foolish not to. If you get lucky and you get the one that ends up being the starter, you got yourself a starting running back in the 10th round or later. So I I really think that anybody could emerge here. There aren't many backfields that are just completely up in the air entering training camp. This is one of them. And Herbert's the slight favorite. I think you'll probably see the most touches this season, but Foreman is overlooked every single year and we've seen him blow up the last couple seasons down the stretch and the coaching staff went out of their way to highlight Roshan Johnson as someone who could excel when the pads come on. So that's a backfield to monitor for sure. Herbert is the early season favorite for touches. And that's the quick version. We're going to leave it there. If you want more, you can go back. You can listen to last week's episode on backfields. And I covered a little more in depth in that one. Another one that I discussed on that episode that I want to talk about today is the Eagles. They get DeAndre Swift on the cheap around the draft. They sign Rashad Penny and free agency, both highly drafted, efficient backs. They've dealt with some injuries that led their previous teams to kind of give up on them. But Philly, willing to take a chance and not having to spend up to do it, very, very smart move by Howie Roseman. Philly also has Kenneth Gainwell, who they really like. He isn't going away. So this could turn into a committee as well. But Swift has the highest ceiling of the group. I'm willing to roll the dice on him at his cost. He's finished as a top 20 fantasy back on a per game basis, looking at half PPR formats each of the last three seasons. Top 20 guy each of the last three seasons. And that's while dealing with some of these injuries and a split backfield. So he could hit in a really big way in this Eagles offense. Penny and Gainwell, they're more depth stashes, in my opinion. Now, some new backfields that we didn't discuss last week. The Washington Commanders, very, very interested to see how this one develops. Because Antonio Gibson, he appeared to be on the verge of a breakout a couple seasons ago. Then the team kind of soured on him. They started splitting his work with J.D. McKissick. They draft Brian Robinson. They give him a lot of touches last year. Now, though, you have a new offensive coordinator and Eric Bieniemy coming over from the Chiefs. And all of a sudden, this offseason, they're talking up Gibson again. McKissick's gone. Gibson, the only real pass catching back in Washington. And he could be a version of what we've seen from someone like Jarek McKinnon in this same system. A pass-catching guy with upside for more could score touchdowns, could become a weekly fantasy starter again. So Gibson's someone I really like to draft where he's going in the ninth round or so. And Brian Robinson, more of a grinder back. He'll have value, but... And not much of a ceiling there. The last backfield that I want to mention is the Seahawks. And I know Ken Walker broke out as a rookie last year. He was playing behind that revamped offensive line in Seattle. He had all those long runs that you remember, no doubt. But he was more of a boomer bus player. And he had a really limited role in the passing game, which isn't great for fantasy, especially when the team goes out and adds another second round back to the mix this year. One who has pass catching chops and one who might actually steal the goal line work from him. So when you look back at Walker and you see that he only had one top 12 weekly finish over his last seven games last year, now he's going to be splitting work with Zach Charbonnet. It's not out of the question to envision that the rookie could come in here and earn the more valuable touches and maybe be the better fantasy option in 2023. So this is one where I don't think enough people are considering the possibilities that Charbonnet could be a real threat and maybe make this more of a 50-50 backfield i think that's one to watch at least i think that's one we have to keep our eye on and then the last one i want to talk about i had to find a a tight end position battle dimension we couldn't do all the other positions and not tight end so this is another one that seems like maybe it's sorting itself out but the cowboys tight end room jake ferguson luke schoonmaker Peyton Hendershot. Schoonmaker was a second round pick this year. Came with a bunch of hype. People got excited, but now he's dealing with a foot injury. He has plantar fasciitis and it's already tough enough for a rookie tight end to earn playing time. Now he's going to miss valuable reps here with the injury. So it's not shocking to see the athletics John Machoda predict that Ferguson is going to be the one to start in 2023. And with Dalton Schultz gone, This could be a sneaky, valuable fantasy role. I mean, there's a little more target competition this year with Brandon Cooks there now, with Michael Gallup healthier, to go along with CeeDee Lamb, who is obviously a a volume hog. But keep an eye on Ferguson as a late-round tight end. He could be somebody that sneaks into your lineup, at worst, as a bye-week fill-in, but maybe even as a low end tight end one and there's going to be lots more of these training camp battles that we're going to be watching over the next six or seven weeks that we're going to be talking about on the show but those are some of the biggest fantasy relevant ones that i wanted to go over today and we are out of time unfortunately so that is all for today's show remember you can see all my content for free over at the score the redraft rankings dynasty trade value charts breakouts busts, sleepers Everything you need to get you ready for the fantasy season. You can find me on Twitter at Justin Boone. You can find me on threads at Justin Boone NFL. And before we get out of here, let me just say big thanks for all the ratings and reviews over on Apple Podcast. Please toss one in there if you haven't already. It doesn't take long. We really appreciate it. It helps the show out so much. We love helping you. It's a small way that you can help us back. And even more important, I want to say big thanks to everybody for downloading and listening to the show every week. It means the world to me. I love seeing the numbers go up year after year. And this is the time of year when they really start to blow up. So thank you for that. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time on time with me tonight, I said leave on time.